Brought to you by Crimson Colt Media. We got you now. No turning back. Welcome to Moths to the Flame. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, Mormon Moths. Today we have A.L. Davidson with us. Welcome, A.L. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am super excited to have you here. You are, if I'm not mistaken, a writer of massive space operas (laughs) and tiny disturbances, which I think is super fun. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, A.L. Davidson is also a webcomic editor at Comic Book Yeti and recently signed with Timurgos Press on their upcoming Mm -hmm. novel, The Scientists, the Spacemen, and the Stars Between Them, which is a queer eco-space horror coming out in the second quarter of 2024. So congratulations on that. Let's tell tell us about that. Because I managed to talk them into releasing it on my birthday next year. So that's, I was super excited about that. Tip it is. I love I that. That's fun. So what's it about? We know, we know uh, queer eco space or let's dive in. Yeah, it's um, a little bit Lovecraft, a little bit um, autopsy of Jane Doe, a little bit alien. Um, the whole thing takes place in a remote space station in deep space. And it's about a mortician who finds a strange parasitic anomaly happening in all the bodies that are arriving on their slab and their husband is off colonizing other planets and so it's kind of a race for him to get back home before all hell explodes in this tiny like remote um morgue and there's lots of like cool zombies and lots of bugs and eco horror type of stuff so it's it's yeah that sounds like so much fun. And it's kind of a blend between your two worlds because you also work part-time with a funeral home. Is that correct? I do. Yes. Awesome. So I definitely want to dive into that about how working in the funeral industry kind of impacts and steers your writing. So how long have you been in that funeral space? Um, It's been, uh, I want to say a almost a full year. I got hired in February of this year. Um, and so, and I absolutely love it. I am now a licensed funeral director, but working 40 hours a week is a little bit too hard for my body. So I've, I've, I'm licensed, but I work currently as an ambassador to where I'm just there day of helping the family and getting the flowers set up and making sure, you know, the body looks presentable or the urn is, you know, free of dust and things like that. So it's more of a kind of an on-call type of position of like you're working when you know, there's something to be done. And some of them are like, we had a 24 hour service a la- uh, last weekend. And so people were there from like 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. the next day. And, you know, it's just an interesting, interesting field to be in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's wild. So when getting your license, which congratulations on that, that's super exciting. Thank you. How long does it take to get a funeral? Dr- I know that there was a program in Nashville. I'm from Tennessee. And there's a, there's a, Gupton College out there, and I think it takes like a year. Is that is that standard or? It depends on the state to state requirements. I live in Kansas, and so for the people in Kansas, it is just a test. 
That's all you have to do is you have to study, read the guides and take the test to be the um, assistant. And it's two years of schooling to be a full fledged director that has like the embalming and the crematory and things like that. But I know in Missouri to do like what I do, which is like the assistant funeral director, it requires a year of apprenticeship and two tests. So it varies from state to state depending on what's going on. It's like that whole weird thing that happened in Colorado where they don't have much regulations at all. And they just found the guy who had like a hundred some odd bodies in his basement because it's not regulated. It just really depends on states and who's running. Things. That is wild. I, that honestly makes me feel like I need to write nonfiction about that because I love nonfiction yeah. diving into, you know, kind of exploring that realm. And that is fascinating to me. I, I, kind of, I guess I just expected, I work in education and so licensure is pretty similar across the board, yeah. you know? Um, and so I just assumed, I guess, incorrectly that it was the same for every state. So that's wild. But, so there's no like national board of funeral directors that like keep the law of the land. Like it sounds kind of wild no. west out there. I'm liking it. It, it. it is. Well, and then like this interesting thing too, is because it just depends on like the culture and the laws and things like that. Like we only have one, like natural burial place, which is one of the ones they just kind of like wrap you up in a cloth and put you in the ground with nothing else. And there's only one like officially licensed funeral like cemetery that's like that here in the state of Kansas, but like in other states where that's more like where you know the mountains and the ego, that's just kind of like a thing that normal people do. And we have those new ones that they'll turn like instead of cremation that they will turn you into compost. And there's only like five states that have those. So it all just really kind of depends on the culture and the boards and you know, because that was my job that I had before COVID. I worked for a um, wellness chiropractic office and from state to state, that was another thing that all the boards just wildly varied. And so you never quite know when it comes to those sorts of things, especially in like the health and wellness and like life type of stuff. You never yeah. know what you're going to expect. It's so strange. That is wild. Well, and I, I'm morbidly fascinated, obviously, Moth of the right. Flame, with all things, you know, death and end of life and all the, you know, um, some of my friends who are funeral directors all the time, I'm asking them, I'm like, okay, but is it legal if, can I have this done? Can I do this instead? Like, can can somebody just take my body and put it in a case? Like, you know, and then they're telling yeah. me in, in the state of Tennessee, you know, like a Viking funeral like a, like the funeral pyre and the boat right. like not legal not allowed to do that but Colorado right. <laughs> totally is and I was like well that's shitty <laughs> yep. that you know like we got the shit into the stick out here granted we're out in the country so you have all these like I, I literally know people that have just not called any kind of funeral services in and have done their own thing and I'm like you do you, but woo-wee, I don't want to be getting any kind of, you know, charges or anything. But yeah, that's wild. So what an interesting field. What drew you to the funeral industry? Well, I'd kind of always been one of those, again, morbidly fascinated by it. I remember when I was, uh, I had very severe like undiagnosed anxiety as a kid and so my parents were like she's weird what do we do with her Same. <laughs> she's not making friends Same. what do we do with her and so they took yeah. me to like a a therapist to be like hey can you help figure out like what happens kind of thing like that and the first thing that I did was they had like you know how they have like the sandbox like in in like 
us where they're like playing with sandbox and you pick out the toys and you're like this is how you're feeling i immediately went for the cemetery set with the casper figures because i like the <laughs> i like that spooky set. and of course they were like your daughter's depressed i was six but <laughs> they're like she's depressed and she needs medication because she's like obsessed with death and you know how the 90s oh you know, i know yeah were. oh yeah we were all freaks um, yeah for sure right um but it was one of those that um when i was 19 my mother passed away unexpectedly and my father passed mm. away six months later and so after that, you're just oh kind of God. like, and I had two younger siblings and you're just kind of like at that point of like, well, nothing can bother me anymore. <laughs> right. I <laughs> and, am traumaed out. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so I've been trying to get into it and just never had like the right like chances and opportunities. And I was working on a novella script and I had emailed a local funeral home here and I was like, Hey, I have weird questions. Can I just come in and like tour and see how things go? And once I got into like, the behind the scenes of it and like she like she had no sense of like privacy or shape she's like yeah whatever you want to come in and see we're cremating a body right now and you can look in and watch it and i'm like you have i'm just a random stranger who emailed you on the internet yeah like <laughs> but, that's that's but, apparently okay yeah but yeah and so after that i was kind of like man this is really something that i like and the funeral home that my um the cemetery is a funeral home and cemetery combo and so they have my parents were interred there and it's really close to where i live and they're like hey we have these positions called ambassadors open that basically you're just kind of like an on-call like it's it's very similar to running a wedding so you're almost like a wedding planner like that they're helping a funeral coordinator yes. yeah so you're kind of just like an on-call type of thing and then i was finally able to get licensed and now i can do technically all the fun stuff but i'm kind of like i'd rather just do the day of and helping with the families and you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to sit in a in a room with a grieving family and be like, "Let me charge you ten thousand dollars to put them in a box." Yes, day that is day out. That is rough. Well, and and this is my annual reminder to the public that you can buy a coffin uh, or casket on Walmart.com for less than they charge at the funeral home. So, isn't that crazy? When I found that out, I was like. <laughs> This is my new mission to tell the world. <laughs> we we've had some families that were just like we didn't like any of the like urns that you have available. We just got ours off of Etsy or on Amazon, and it's at that point where it's like you know if you find something that's more custom, especially like if it's like a little kid, you don't want to get a big ugly grandma urn for your no. baby, you know, stuff no. like that. And so when you find something that's cute and sentimental, it's always kind of like, yeah, you do go do your own thing. The only thing that is required, and another state by state thing, which is really weird, is the state of Kansas requires any like remains or cremains that go into the ground has to be in a vault. So you have to buy a concrete vault to put them in so that way it doesn't disturb the ground and it doesn't harm the actual like coffin or the urn that's being interred and so they give us a state by state very things so that's the one thing of like oh if you want to like you know inter someone you have to have a vault in the state of kansas um wow, so I learned that, that was is a expensive yeah yeah well the vault and the fact of the matter is with all of the water in the ground not to be like you know sorry funeral industry but like they crack they break. Yeah. They, you know, the water still gets in there. I'm just like, what is the purpose? You know, it, it disintegrates after a while. So I, I can't, I, I don't know. I have this, like, <laughs> I'm super fascinated by all of it. But then I also wonder, why do we try to have with, you know, being embalmed and all, like, we're going in the ground. Why are we trying to right. like make it the most serene, perfect little place ever? I know people are in grief. They're so, you know, not wanting to think about their family member disintegrating. But I've, there's almost something peaceful about naturally 
going yeah. back into the earth, I guess. I don't know. I have such weird thoughts about all of it, but that's fascinating. <laughs> oh, though. Yeah. You hear weird things from different people and different families and different walks of life. Like we have, I did a few Vietnamese services and they're the most gorgeous services. They're beautiful. And they're like these really? big, like, almost like galas. Everyone is dressed to the nines and they get these big, beautiful, like wooden hand carved coffins. And then they put like, ten twenty thousand dollars in cash in there and then so and then they cremate them so they oh. embalm them <laughs> i was them like grave robbing <laughs> and so but that's just part of their tradition and so you just learn a whole bunch of interesting things like we had one woman she was six months to the day from turning a hundred and she was a seamstress in world war ii and fell in love with it and ended up becoming a fashion model locally here and made her own wedding dress line and like these things you oh can learn gosh. from like the families and on the obituaries of their lives and things it's, it's a very fascinating kind of you know it's, it's a very hard oh, sure. industry to be in but at the same time it's just very rewarding because you're learning so many things about so many different people Oh, so, yes. I'm, and, and you have to be that calm presence for them, too, and yeah. be able to be a comforting, safe place for them. And I'm sure that that's really rewarding and, and yeah. nice. I would love I, I feel like I would love all of that environment. But then when it came to kids, I just I can't like I can't handle that. It's just it, yeah. I can't read it in horror. I can't be you know, I just oh, it's it, that's too much trauma in my life for sure. So um well, that is fascinating. It sounds like you really enjoy the work that you get to do in the funeral industry. And so then yeah. that's bled over into your books, into your yes, book writing, so right? <laughs> so many okay. of my characters. Okay. And, yeah. So your book, let's talk about your book that's coming out next year. What was the process mm -hmm. like? Did you just have a spur of the moment inspiration for that book? Or were you like in the middle of an embalming and you were like, oh, I think I want to write a book about this in space. Like, how did that go? Well, um, this one, it's so funny because I was talking to somebody on, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. They, they were like, I don't uh, know what the process <laughs> is. Right. They're like, I don't know what the process is of like, is it okay to turn short stories into like full manuscripts? And I was like, almost every single one of my completed manuscripts came from a short story. And this was yeah. originally supposed to be about a 15 page short story that the longer I started writing it, the more I'm like, oh, but I could add this and oh, I could add this and I could, do, you know, expand on it. And sometimes I just get into these zones or next thing I know, I'm like, oh, I'm 20,000 words deep and I have no idea how I got here, but it's, it's working. <laughs> no longer then, a short story <laughs> no well, they never the, even and my it, short stories are never short <laughs> well and you're a prolific short story writer and in in my pre-search before the episode <laughs> I was noticing that you do a lot of that short fiction you have a lot mm -hmm. of um doing anthologies and short stories so that definitely seems to be your major writing space and then you just bloom them out into manuscripts right yeah. Which is which okay. is funny because when I first started, like, because I've always wanted to be a writer. Like, I was, I started, got my first laptop and wrote my first story when I was ten. I had three books written by the time I was twelve, and like, I had something published when I was like fifteen. And then I life happened, and you know, college and school and parents passing away yeah. and moving and things like that. And then COVID happened, and I had no choice. And so I was like, oh, I guess right. I'm going to get back into doing this. And yep. I started, I actually had the date tattooed on my finger on the 27th of March of 2020. I sat down and started writing 
my the first book in my space opera series and that series currently uh, between the five almost six books that are done of the eight books that are planned is 1.3 million words long it's huge and so (laughs) so trying to edit and keep it it takes place in the span of like 50 years worth of time over three generations and i would like trying to keep track of all that i'm like man i just need a break and then i was like someone was like oh we have like short story you know sub calls for anthologies i'm like oh this sounds fun and i was like oh it's a refreshing little thing to be able to write something that's only two three thousand words yeah and so i try to do those in between all of these insane manuscripts that i have that are taking up so much time because yeah yeah, that's a lot well and and that's my problem is that it the the ideas they constantly flow but then i want to turn them into something larger always and so then i can't i I can't rein it in to be in short and i want to so badly to be in short story world and i'm just like oh but what a novel this would make and then i'm like bitch you don't have time you don't have time like write the short story get it out for at least a little bit you know no no i'm like oh the new shiny thing over here another manuscript idea let's go so yeah i totally totally get that so then what is your writing process like i mean twenty thousand words busting it out and i want to ask too it's nanowrimo i'm assuming you're participating okay so are you like are you a word counter are you a let the wind take you where you go type of writer do you plot extremely like what's your process like um i am kind of a little all over the place my cat has decided she needs to be a part of this um she's on the I, pod too welcome kitty kitty <laughs> she, is, she says hello oh hello what is kitty's um, name jukebox the ghost after one of my favorite bands oh that's fun so we i love it her, we call her box um but yeah so my process is like a little bit all over the place i'm pretty much like i'll have an idea and then I usually what I'll do is I'll like sit and think about it while I'm like driving or working. And then I will just sit down and just let whatever happens. happens. Um, and so it's, it's very much like maybe 15% plotting and the rest of it just kind of like going with the flow. Okay. Um, but like, so like ruminating like on I, it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I used to have, when I lived in Kentucky, there was a 83 mile long park that just had walking trails through nature. And when COVID happened, no one was out and the people who were it's a big it's an outdoor park like nothing had happened so i would go out at the like when the moment the sun would rise i would go out and i would go and do like a 5k worth of walking through nature and through the forest and then i would sit down and i would go to bed and then i would wake up and i would write all the things that i thought about and i would stay up and write until the sun came back up and i would end my day with a walk and so i did get into that cycle um but it's, I get the point, I like, I save everything. Like I have 7,000 drafts of every single thing. And oh, so yeah. I, I'll go through like every quarter and like calculate up all of the total word counts for all the short stories, all the books, all the web novels, all the manuscripts. And I think the last time I did it, it was two and a half million words worth of writing since I started in March of 2020. And so at this point, I average 55 to 60K words a month. So Nano's like nothing. <laughs> Yeah, that's so like, awesome. Like I thought that it was, 
Yeah, no, that's for, and then there's the rest of us. And I thought about that just the other day. And so I was typing an email because in my daytime life, I have to send an exorbitant amount of emails and type a lot of things. And so I was like, I wonder how many actual words that are not writing related, you know what I mean? Like that are writing for my career, my daytime career, how, how many I write in that. I wish I had something that like could calculate it, but there's no way, like there's there's no way that I could even begin to fathom counting it. I love the idea of counting your written works though. And that's something that I want to challenge myself and my husband to do that, which my husband, he's at literal like future serial killer. You know how they say serial killers have those traits that you know about. Okay. And you're like, we should have known that's this man. He wrote 200,000 words by hand on notebook paper, two lines per, per line. Is that not a serial? That's a serial killer. That's and I'm married little, to it. Yeah, that's a I little, mean, like, yeah. That's total, split and very total, explosive. like, suspicious. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so I'm like thinking about his word count between all of the teeny tiny writings on like post it notes and shit. Right. And then, like, and then him typing. To, I mean, he obviously translates it over into typing. That's when he edits, but like, what the fuck that that would be a lot of words so now now i'm curious i want to i'm gonna have to go count how much we've written because that would that would really fascinate me to know like i want now i'm wondering how many words my dissertation was like i just keep thinking of all these things like how long you know like i know how many pages these things were but how many words that's cool so yeah yeah. like how many words have you deleted that you don't even remember that they're there because they're not showing up on the word anymore that's crazy like how many of these are gone i don't get to see (laughs) and then where do they go do they go live in desolate deleted words land where all the writing you know that that's that's it there you go another story idea right there you can take that one and run with it i'm not i don't have time so because i already i already know i can't commit to what i'm committed to like i can't yeah so well that is that's awesome so do you have like are you one of these that listens to music when you're writing or because you, you do the nature vibes and then come back in and do and write are you you have to have like a cup of tea a cup of coffee or do you have to like set the scene or are you just like oh inspiration has hit i've got to write i will literally just sit down i will turn on my heating pad and i will like binge watch like screaming men playing things on youtube like i'll sit down and like play a thing of let's plays and like watch like all of those throughout the day and just like just sit and listen to them scream and just write and go from there so really not a, like i was like i was curious i have security cameras in my in my apartment and i was like wondering like what do i look like when i'm sitting here writing and so i like <laughs> looked at myself i literally like and i figured out like i had to go apologize to my chiropractor like i figured out why i'm always broken i literally <laughs> sit there with my neck craned like the bit neck lady from like haunting of hill house my head will slowly start to tilt until it's sitting even in my ear on my shoulder when i'm getting into writing and i sit all like goblin mode i'm like well no wonder i'm always like so stiff right <laughs> oh my gosh myself, like when i'm writing and yes that's funny <laughs> i well i've seen those little videos on tiktok where people will like take a you know um fast version you know they'll set up recording and record themselves writing mm-hmm. for all this time and so my husband and i thought that we because we, we write together we thought it would be funny to do that and i i same i look like that little like like 
like hag witch sitting there and I was like that is not (laughs) yeah I was like this or I was like leaned back and all kicked out and we're like having our hookah I'm like this is not attractive this is awful (laughs) like it's not a pretty process no not at all not at all I was just like oh dear you know they have you always I think people envision writers you know sitting there and or maybe having their little cigar they're you know at their fancy writing desk and I'm like half of us are chilled out like sitting in our comfy chairs with our blankies and our you know so whatever works there's a a horror book and I can't like it's called Kill Creek and it's a it it's kind of like a like that episode of Scooby-Doo where they had to like go inherit the house if they can survive the night kind of thing which is really funny because when I went to go see my acupuncturist I would drive by Kill Creek like multiple times a month so like I know where that area is like it's like 20 minutes from where I live but like the writer chick in that story he like describes her as like getting up and doing yoga and then walking to her leather armchair butt naked with a glass of wine to sit down and write in the morning sunlight I'm like no one does that I oh, mean, that's not how it goes. Maybe no clothes. You know, I'm, I'm pretty open about our nudity here on the podcast, but like the glass of wine in the, in the early morning sun, absolutely not. Absolutely no, no, not. He's, he's like with her, with her floor to ceiling glass windows that looked out over her expansive property. I was like, who is this? Yeah. yeah she's is already this? famous. Like all re- like that's not a regular old writer for sure. God, oh no, my God. No, no that's like, that's like, <laughs> men writers writing women you know she breasted breastily across the room like that kind of shit like not believable yeah love that (laughs) love that oh my god that's so that is is so okay so let me ask you this then with knowing in some people's writing you could recognize like is that really legit like you know that doesn't and who was that we're not trying to call you out was it Scott Thomas that wrote Kill Creek? I think is that I think who? so. Yeah, I think that's. I think so. Yeah, we're not trying to call you out, Scott. I mean, maybe it was some beautiful somebody that is able to go out with their nakedness and their glass of wine, and and you know, <laughs> for the rest of us. Um, how do you try to balance with specifically writing science fiction and like in space, sticking true to things that actually happen in space? You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. with obviously you have to have oxygen to breathe and that sort of thing. So how does that play into your horror writing? How, like trying to stay consistent to actual science? Well, one of the things that, so like my favorite subgenres of horror are eco-horror, horror romance, and apartment horror. I love things that take place in tight tiny cramped spaces um because like i you know i live in a tiny cramped apartment and i and so like my debut novella the entire thing takes place in the confines of an rv like they don't leave the rv until like the last like 15 pages the whole thing takes place in an rv and so when i have these sci-fi horror type of locations when it's like a tiny outpost for me it starts to turn into that like how can i use that environment and the things that can happen to it as an advantage to amplify the horror because there's like nothing scarier than when you're sitting there and like trying to do an autopsy and the body starts to move and you're in a confined space and you can't leave and you're you know tethered to you know your equipment or when gravity starts to falter how does that sort of stuff work so I try to like weave that in and it's hard because you don't want to be like an exposition, you know, dump of like, this is how all the science works. But, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> piecing it in there and like describing the environment of like describing the layout of 
like the one whole wall in this outpost is full of hydroponic stations. And so it's full of flowers and water. And so like adding those of like, oh, the water suddenly stopped. Why can't I hear it? Is it gravity? Does oxygen fail? Did power die? So you kind of use those things to like play into the environment of the story see that way you can also be a little bit finicky you don't have to be entirely scientifically accurate yeah um but it also like adds to the ambience and the the horror of it all so i I love those sorts of things that is cool and i i have to i have to walk a very thin line with that too not in the biological perspective or ecological but from a historical because I like yeah. history. And so diving into it, but I'm like, okay, this is not a history lesson, Marie. Calm down. They're right. not trying to learn about the culture of the people, you know, <laughs> and it, but like, I, I'm like, calm down with the exposition. They're going to get it. Just thread enough in there so that it's not like, you know, <laughs> it helps with yeah. that ambiance that you're talking about. So yeah, but not, not an entire, cause I would, it would be, it would become a history lesson. Right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. warning to anyone in reading my books. Yeah. <laughs> like 45 minutes trying to research like when certain types of light bulbs were like created because I didn't want to mention the wrong kind of light bulb in a story that took place in the 1950s. No one's going to care. But to me, it was important. Oh, I would care. I would care. No, see, I I, tr- I promise you I would. I'm weird like that. I'm one of the, and I always think of the me's out there that are like, they are going to know that that dress, right. I, that was not in that time. Because I'm a freak like that, that if I'm reading something and something co- like pops out to me and I'm like, is that, I don't know about that. And I'm, I will look it up like a freaking, like absolutely ridiculous, but I will do it because it's just, but also, so this is, it's a fun thing. Because you also have to watch your colloquialisms and like the phrases mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Because, you know, they might say, I, I can't even think of one right now, but I'm always having to cleanse them from my writing because I'm like, I didn't talk like that in 1845. And, you know, so that's, I think at least with space or aliens and that sort of thing, you get a little bit of flexibility there because it's, yeah. I mean, the, the entire universe is your oyster instead of the world. So. <laughs> That's yeah, that's good. So I have to ask, um, what is your favorite written work that you've ever created thus far? Um, I have a novella that I have a Kickstarter planned for in March. Um, and it is my absolute favorite piece of thing that I've ever written. It's a, um, kind of weird, I call it a sensory deprivation novella that is it's called he hears death and it is kind of a mix of silent hill for the room and house of leaves Ooh, and I'm intrigued so and it's and it's interesting because i got inspired to do it because i went to go the first movie i went to go see back after covid was the green knight and i love a24 films i love death patel that man could be in anything and i'll watch oh, it but um, yes yes <laughs> But I have an auditory processing disorder, and so I can't understand when the A24 does those whispery type of, like, I can't understand a single thing. And the movie was gorgeous. I have no idea what was happening. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. When it's like, it, yeah. yeah. I can, I, yeah, that's like, an interesting experience, I bet, because that is, that's a lot. That's a lot of information coming at you at one time. So, yeah. yeah. Wow, interesting. And I went to use, like, the closed captioning machine, and 
I got bullied out of the theater because it was bulky and it took up space and because it takes up a cup holder and it's this big, massive, like bendy bar. And there were people who were like in the kids being stupid kids were making fun of me and laughing to my face by carrying this thing with me. And so I had to leave the theater. It was my first time back after COVID. And so it was one of those, I'm like, this is, it's annoying because it's like, I'm not deaf I'm not hard of hearing but I can't process things and so I was sitting there like I want to write a story to like spite because I spite right if if I get a rejection from something I spite right so that's just my normal (laughs) state of mind yes but so I wanted to like do something that kind of like reflected what it was like to experience things from that end of things and so this whole story is about it go figure it's about an embalmer who works at a funeral home um that that is hard of hearing um and he was greeted by death as a child and so he can hear the voices of spirits but he can't hear the actual world around him and so anytime (gasps) like people are talking to him or interacting with him the text gets like lighter gray so it's harder to read so like you are experiencing that difficulty with him and then like when the spirits are talking it's bold and it's bright and it's vivid and the whole thing is tarot inspired so none of the characters have actual names like the main character is the fool and his husband is the lover and and that has like things. amazing i'm so excited for it i have my cover artist is getting the sketches done and she actually did official tour merch artwork for orville Pet. so the cover is gonna be gorgeous oh how so excited. awesome um, oh that's amazing well i cannot yeah. wait for this one say the name of it one more time so that everybody can go f- help with the, the kickstarter it's going to be called He Hears Death, and I'm hoping to launch it the first weekend in March because there's a big con happening, and so I'm like planning to launch it the day that the con is happening because I'm going to be there and can be like, hey, come and come and pick this up. So that's going to be coming in coming awesome. in March. I have one starting on the 20th, so I have one starting in six days as well for something else. That's not as big as this massive other novella that requires professional formatting because I can't. Yes. I don't know how to format. That shit is miserable. Let me tell you, it's bad. I I was doing some of that earlier today, and like I, I'm a multi passionate person. I dive head into all the things, but man, fuck formatting. Like, it's just, it's really bad. Yeah, really bad. Yeah. So I, I never again. There are some that love it, and those that love it love you guys. Because for those of us that don't, man, mm -mm. yeah, yeah, not not for us, not for us, for sure. Okay, and so yeah. No. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can be found on all of your social medias and Kickstarter and everything at maybe Mockingbird. Is that your handle across the board or do you have other websites that you'd like for everyone to know about? Because I want to make sure they can find you to to support your ventures. Um, That is my handle on everything except for Twitter because Twitter is only allows a certain number of characters and it's one character too short. So on Twitter, it's May the letter B and then Mockingbird everywhere else. It's actually maybe Mockingbird spelled out. Okay. So maybe, I mean, good (laughs) old Twitter or X, whatever the fuck they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it seems like people like every, there was a mass exodus and then everybody Mm -hmm. went to blue sky and threads. And now I'm seeing people seem to be kind of migrating back over to Twitter. And I'm like, 
I think we're, I don't know what we're doing right now. It's, it's, it's a sad, strange world. I don't know. In. It's weird. So, yeah. Yeah. so may, maybe Mockingbird and you have Patreon and Instagram, TikTok, mm-hmm. your, all the things, right? All the things. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Patreon and is Alicia Davidson. You. Yeah. Patreon is Alicia Davidson author. Um, and then my mm-hmm. website is disturbancesbyalicia.weebly.com. So, and I have links to everything okay, on my website to make it easy. So, <laughs> okay. See, that's perfect. Yeah. And I plan to um, link your link tree in the show notes. Yes. That way everybody can find one-stop shop, find everything you got there and they can go and donate to your causes, get your books, find some awesome short stories and all the websites that you do, all that cool stuff. So now I have to ask you, are you ready? for the lightning round (laughs) (laughs) okay here we go so i tried to make these more space themed this time since you you in the space world so would you rather (laughs) encounter a black hole or a fearsome creature deep in space if you could survive the black hole. a creature a creature A creature? Okay. Okay. Cool. I honestly feel like I'd rather go for the black hole. I'd be like, just shoot me in there. I want to see what's up. (laughs) If I could survive it, you know? So would you rather face the theorized ends of the universe or would you rather never go to space at all? So it's either the total end or never. Oh, oh, wow. Um, Hard-hitting questions here on the pod. Well, so that's the problem is that my biggest dream is to go to space. My biggest fear is the end of the world. So, like, you're hitting me. Yeah. You're like, uh uh-huh. Man. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) this to be so hard. Um, No one does. I come in here with the kill. Like, nobody expects it to be hard. I think... I want to go to space because the end of the world is going to happen whether I say to or not. So I feel like, you know, that's going to happen. Send me to space. That's Send me right. to space as the world is ending. At that yes. Point. <laughs> yes. And you can just float around and see what, what is that? Was it an, an episode of Doctor Who where they were watching Earth explode the end? Do you watch Doctor Who? Do you know what I'm talking about? I there's think an, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's an episode where they get to watch like Earth explode and it's a whole thing. And I'm like, I'm sure, you know, I, I, I'm sure the aliens will be glad to see us go. But <laughs> Right. You know. Okay. Would you rather be stranded on a desolate planet or face a swarm of asteroids while you're in a spaceship in space? Desolate planet, because then I'll be alone. Sounds peaceful. I would go for that too. I would be like, that yeah. sounds peaceful. That sounds nice. I could just hang out and be yeah. be quiet. It'd be great. Then we'd end up on like the, the water planet from uh What's that? Yeah, yeah. Like, so we're just all water and there's like nothing. Yeah, yeah. And that would be shit out of luck because I'm not a very good strong swimmer. Like, it would be awful. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather explore the vastness of space alone or have to (laughs) confront a malevolent extraterrestrial entity in order to get to your friends? I'd go it alone. Go at it all out. Yeah, fuck the friends. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> as long as I can see my cat, I'll be fine. We don't need them. We don't need the them. People. Friends are overrated. Yeah, we can go see what else is happening up in space. That's good. That's good. <laughs> 
Okay. Would you rather discover that Earth is the only planet with life, which would be super fucking lame, or encounter an unknown alien civilization, but they kill you? I think I'd be fine knowing anything else is out there. That, that would be fine. It would be okay. It would be okay. Peaceful. Yeah, peaceful. Okay. Um, would you rather... I feel like I was like... It must have been really late when I wrote these or something because some of these questions I'm like looking at them like, whoa. Would you rather experience the concept of the universe repeating itself in another Big Bang? So having to experience another Big Bang, assuming that you survive. Or face a cosmic horror beyond human comprehension. <laughs> I made these like all awful options. <laughs> like, I love the nihilism. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know what kind of mood I was in when I wrote these. Like, <laughs> cool to come face to face with a cosmic horror. Definitely. Definitely. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, might as well see what it, what it's about. Okay. Uh, let's see. Would you rather visit a haunted space station, which sounds like a fun book idea, by the way. So put that one in your tool belt. Uh, <laughs> or would you rather visit a haunted village on another planet? Whoa. Well, that's hard. Those are sound amazing. <laughs> uh, I, because I love that isolated, like, claustrophobic horror so much, I probably have to say the space station or the spaceship. Mm. I think that'd be... Some unnerving, super. unnerving yeah. shit right there. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that's some scariness for sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. Ghosts or aliens? Which one? ghosts i love ghosty stuff okay okay you need like an ethereal alien like a ghosty type of you know in the uh, trapped in a tiny tiny little cabin (laughs) out in space yeah okay describing most of my library yeah yeah that sounds awesome i love that that sounds awesome okay uh so this is the weirdest one It's our final question. Would you rather become an alien and never return to Earth or have an alien best friend, but the catch is that they only eat humans? That one. I, know, I'm like, I, want, I want the alien yeah, best the friend. Alien eat, yeah, all the people yeah. Get, I, I would be really concerned. All of your friends, as they listen to this podcast, you're like... I don't need them. I would know to the alien. <laughs> oh no, they are they do the same thing. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, we would expect we would expect nothing less. Good to know. Good to know. So don't worry, your alien eats all my friends book coming out twenty twenty six. Like don't worry about it, everybody. It's fine. <laughs> awesome. Well, I have so enjoyed having you on the pod today. Thank you for joining us here on little you're so welcome good good and one more time tell everybody they can find you at my website is disturbancesbyalisa.weebly.com i am maybe mockingbird on everything except for twitter and it's may the letter b mockingbird over there 
Okay. Okay. We're going to make sure to find that. We're definitely going to go fund the Kickstarter for that badass novella coming out next year because that sounds amazing. Yes. And then you have, uh, we'll be watching for your queer eco space horror too, coming Mm -hmm. out later in 2024 from Timber Ghost Press. So lots of exciting things happening for you. Thanks again for coming. Yeah, definitely. We'll keep in touch. We'll see. We'll see. See you from Moss to the Flame. See how how you're doing with uh, all your writing ventures. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Aha. Bye-bye. Bye.